Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. So we have all made it through yet another very long week in a series of very long weeks that have made up very long months that are just making 2020 the longest year on record. So I will go ahead and start where I have been starting lately, and that is with the unemployment numbers um, for the week ending on May the 9th. Uh, Unemployment claims were up 2.9 million. So at least it's under 3 million. I mean, it is going down week over week. I mean, I don't have a lot of good news here, guys, so I'm trying to find something positive to talk about. It's going down. Obviously, it's still a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And at this point, we have galloped past where we were Great Depression numbers wise, as far as the amount of Americans out of work, the percentage of Americans out of work. But it does seem to be looking up a little bit. Like we're we're down from it being in the three millions down into the two millions. It's something, I think, maybe. I don't know. Um a lot of states are starting to reopen in fits and starts in various ways and some states are doing things, some states are extending their lockdown orders. It's kind of a hodgepodge across the country. So hopefully with more states starting to open up, especially with summertime coming, that that number will continue to drop week over week. And hopefully some people who are out of work can get their jobs back. Hopefully they still have jobs to go back to. I'm crossing my fingers for everybody as always. And if you are in that boat, I wish you the best of luck with unemployment because that still is kind of an issue. Because I mean, obviously, when you have this many people filing week over week and then you still have the backlog from weeks before, it just creates this whole bottleneck. So fingers crossed and good luck for you. So moving on to a story that I talked about last week, and I wanted to discuss it a little bit more because there's been some parts of this that... I didn't know. There have been parts of this that have actually surprised me a little bit, honestly, as far as actually finding something positive to talk about, and that is the Ahmaud Arbery case. Now, a correction, well, not even a correction, but maybe a correction to an assumption that I made that I don't think I said on the podcast, but I had assumed that the property in question, the the house under construction, actually belonged to one of the McMichaels. Apparently, it does not. It belongs to a third party. So, knowing that, and and like I said, I, I thought that the property was there. So, like, maybe that could give the barest amount of possible rationale for why the McMichaels did what they did, why Travis McMichaels did what he did. If that's not their property... Wow, that that kind of blew me away because here's the thing. If you are not the injured party and nobody involved in this altercation was the actual injured party, none of them were the owners of the property, who are you to take it upon yourself to make that decision for that person? You have no right no right whatsoever to do that. I mean, if, if, if you are of the mindset of calling cops being a good idea, you can call the cops. 
the better idea would be to actually call the owner of the property, the person who is actually the injured party here, and ask that person what they want to do. Not take it upon yourself to make that decision for that person. So that is just... Like I said, I was shocked when I found that out. I was just like, okay, now now this is just completely flat out wrong on pretty much every level that you could possibly think that this is going to be wrong. It's wrong. No justification for this whatsoever. And kind of segueing from that is the online response to this case. And actually, it has been, to my pleasant surprise, much better than I expected it to be. And let me try to explain that. I mean, obviously, you still have your Candace Owens and your Tommy Larens and people who are going to take the tack that, oh, Arbery's a criminal, blah, 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 blah. There has been quite the groundswell, even from the the righty blue check contrarian dipshit brigade, of people coming out and saying, no, the McMichaels were wrong for what they did. I mean, I'm talking even people like Matt Walsh and Mike Cernovich and Sohab Amari, like that whole, that whole section of the right is on board with saying, no, this is wrong. This is not the way you act. This is not the way you behave. They had no right to do what they did. And so I was kind of surprised by that in that Obviously, this is one of those situations where if you want to be part of the contrarian dipshit brigade, you can take the tack that Owens and Lauren and very few other people, thankfully, very few other people have taken, which is that to try to justify what the McMichaels did versus just saying, no, that that is wrong. Like what they did was wrong. And even over and beyond social media, if you go on sites where there are a lot of gun owners, and especially a lot of hardcore gun owners, those guys are like, fuck the McMichaels. Fuck them. That did, no, what they did was wrong. And I think a lot of what, I, I don't know exactly what to call this. Maybe not miscommunication isn't the right word, but maybe misunderstanding of the stance that so many people on the right are taking is that when you are exposed to gun culture and you kind of, you don't just have guns just to have them like in your house or for self-defense, but you have them as like a hobby or something that you're very serious about and you kind of become part of that culture. There are some things that are not necessarily unspoken rules because they are spoken, but there are certain ways that you are expected to act as a gun owner. There's certain precautions you're expected to take. There's certain things that are just not permissible to do in that culture. And if you kind of want to delve more into that, um, I'll try to put down in the show notes. Um, my husband wrote a piece about this for Libertarian Institute kind of giving some of the examples of people from the right saying that this was just, this is just an awful thing. This is not something to be defended. But one of the things that is generally accepted in gun culture that you do not do is that you do not get in your vehicle and go chase somebody down with your weapon. Like you don't fucking do that. Like if somebody is fleeing your property, you don't go chase them. You, that just, you don't do that. You shoot somebody in the front. That's fine. You don't shoot somebody in the back. 
and this is generally accepted, everybody knows this, you don't form some kind of vigilante squad to go chase somebody down the road. Like, there's just, there's certain ways that you are expected to not act, and you are expected to behave in a somewhat civilized fashion, because that is just what is expected of you as a human being, and as somebody who owns guns in a responsible fashion. So... Like I said, happily surprised that there has been such a reaction online to this. But another piece that I want to try to link down in the show notes, um, Andrew Fleischman did a really good piece. Um, he, he is part of lawyer Twitter, but he is also a criminal defense attorney here in Georgia, breaking down some of the arguments that people have tried to make, like, oh, the McMichaels were right for doing what they did because they were trying to make a citizen's arrest, which no, in the state of Georgia... If you're going to make a citizen's arrest, which is legal, but there is very, very, very specific circumstances that have to warrant that. Basically, you have to have witnessed somebody doing something that you know for a fact is a crime. And it seems like what Arbery did is not a crime. It's, I mean, you could try to argue that it's trespassing. Legally speaking, it's not. So that defense doesn't hold up. Um, the one that just annoys the ever-loving fuck out of me is everybody who wants to say Arbery shouldn't have tried to take the gun. Okay. On a legal perspective here, in the state of Georgia, if you brandish your weapon, that is considered felony aggravated assault. You will go to jail for that. Even if you just have it out, and even if you don't point it at someone, if you have it out, that is aggravated assault in Georgia. So to my mind, anything after that point, Arbery was well within his rights for his own self-defense to do whatever he needed to do, including grabbing the gun. The second part of this, and this also goes back to gun culture and how responsible gun owners are taught to handle weapons, you do not, under any circumstances, have your finger on the trigger of a gun unless you are ready to shoot it. Now, People want to make the argument that the whole reason the gun went off is because there was this little tug of war. And first of all, for the gun to go off, somebody's finger had to be on the trigger. And it wasn't Arbery's. And everybody knows you don't do that. Like, you do not put your finger on the trigger of a weapon. Ever, ever, ever. Unless you're planning on shooting someone. And the first shot went into Arbery's hand. He actually got shot twice. So I've got questions about that second shot. Because if the first shot went into his hand, I don't think he was holding onto the gun anymore. Like, there's there's a lot of questions here. But just going back to the idea that Arbery has rights to self-defense too. And like I explained in the last episode, if you've got two people in front of you, you know, are armed. You've got one person behind you you're assuming is armed. I mean, what your options are very, very thin here. <laughs> There's not a lot of good options other than to try to disarm the person who is pointing a gun at you up to and including, yes, trying to grab the gun out of the person's hand or punching them in the head to get them to let go of the weapon. I mean, that's just basic common sense. Like, what else would you have wanted the man to do? Just stand there and hope to God that somebody shows up to save your ass? Like, that, that's certainly not a wager I would have took if I was in his position. I would have tried to disarm the person because that's the only option you have. You can't go forwards. You can't go backwards. Going side to side means putting your back to somebody who has a weapon drawn on you, which that's another no-no. You never put your back to somebody who has a weapon drawn on you. 
So what else was the man supposed to do? Like, it's just, it's the stupidest fucking argument because it makes no sense logically. But of course, like I said, you have had people trying to justify this and there's really just, there isn't a justification for it from a legal perspective. That's not to say that the McMichaels couldn't possibly somehow or another get off on charges here or somehow figure out some sort of legal defense because obviously the legal system is what it is. We know it has its flaws and its biases and that if you get a certain case in front of certain people and you get the right jury and you get the right venue, you can make miracles happen. We know this. That's why jury selection and location of trial is something that's always so, so hotly contested before any kind of trial of this magnitude. And it seems like they have appointed a new DA on this and the person is black, which personally, I don't love the race issue on this one. Like I will, I will say that, yes, in this particular case right here, Arbery's race was an issue. Do I think this is a referendum on race writ large? No, I do not. I think it's important to this case. I do not think this is something that you can kind of graft that whole argument of race on and be like, oh, look, this is what black people have to face when they leave the house every day. No, it's not. This is an extraordinary circumstance. And I I want it treated that way because there's plenty of other problems here that need to be unpacked and discussed outside of the race aspect. And the one thing about this case that still shocks me as far as reactions to it is nobody seems to be talking about the second half of this case, which is that it really looks like the DA's office tried to cover this up for the McMichaels. I've not really seen anybody discuss that. And GBI has opened up an investigation into the DA's office to see if there was any kind of misconduct going on, which take that for what it's worth. But yeah, there's like a whole other part of this case that like nobody's talking about. And I'm like, that's really where the case is. I mean, obviously, Arbery getting shot in the way he did, that needs to go to trial. Obviously, there there needs to be a trial. But we also need to unpack whether or not the DA's office tried to cover this up. Because that's just as bad. Like, did these guys get special treatment because they have a connection with the DA's office? We need to find that out. Did the DA's office tell the cops to not make an arrest on the scene? We kind of need to find that out. So, yeah, there's still a lot, a lot of questions I got about this case. And hopefully some of this will get resolved at some point in the future. Obviously, I have no idea when a trial could even take place because obviously we are still under a global pandemic and courts are not open. So hopefully this will be an ongoing thing and this will still be something that people will be paying attention to because like I said, I've still got a lot of questions about how this whole thing went down. But anyway, I did want to do kind of a follow-up to that just to kind of talk about the online response and how at least people are somewhat acting right online for once. And that kind of shocked me and surprised me pleasantly. And so I wanted to highlight that because it's not very often that people don't act like absolute dipshits on social media. So a round of applause to everybody who managed to figure out that no, getting in your truck and chasing somebody down and putting them in a kill box is not acceptable behavior. 
But moving on to another case of a black person getting shot by well-connected people, um, the Breonna Taylor case. If you're not aware of this, um, what ended up happening, and let me kind of back up and give you the whole story here. Um, Police executed a no-knock raid on her and her boyfriend's home. And just to go ahead and, and give the setup for this, just to add that little extra twist, this was obviously, first off, a no-knock warrant, which no-knock warrants need to be banned. The warrant was for a property that was 10 miles away from where Brianna and her boyfriend lived, trying to find somebody who the police already had in custody. So this is a fuck up front to back. I mean, you're you're not where you're supposed to be. You're looking for somebody you already have in custody and you're executing a no-knock raid. So they execute this this no-knock and her boyfriend, obviously, I mean, these are cops. They're not announcing themselves as cops. They're not dressed as cops. All, all this dude knows is somebody is breaking into his home. So he grabs his gun, fires at the cops who he did not know were cops because obviously nobody announced themselves as such. The cops, in return, open fire on them, and this is in their bedroom, and she ends up getting shot dead. I mean, she's naked in the bed, and now she gets shot dead. So, what happens next? Her boyfriend gets taken into custody. (laughs) You cannot make this shit up, people. This is fucking absurd. So he gets taken into custody for doing what any normal person would do, which is that if you think there's somebody breaking into your house and you have a gun, you open fire on those people because you think they're burglars, not cops executing a no-knock raid looking for somebody who doesn't even live in your house. Like, it just, oh my God. It's so, so fucking ridiculous. And it wouldn't... It wouldn't be so bad if there weren't dozens and dozens and dozens of cases just like this one. And the reason this keeps happening is qualified immunity. Now, the cops in question are on quote unquote administrative leave, which means they'll probably end up getting their jobs back. And if this does end up going to trial, under qualified immunity, cops basically get to act like they're fucking morons essentially, like they're idiots who are not responsible for their own actions. So they'll likely end up, uh, I mean, likely, uh, looking at the averages of how these cases work out. It's very rare that the cops in question ever get charged with a crime, even though they flagrantly, flagrantly fucked up at their jobs. Like this is, you, you, you completely screwed this up and now an innocent person's dead. And Basically, cops, because of qualified immunity, just get to shrug their shoulders and be like, "Eh, we fucked up. Sorry. And the courts are like, oh, well, I mean, (laughs) shit happens. It's just like, no, no, this has got to stop. Cops need to start being held accountable when they screw up on the job. This has to start happening. And... Maybe this will be the case. I don't know. I'm not holding my breath, but it is getting a lot of attention just because of just the the, the inherent, the inherent screw ups in this. And now there is a dead woman who was an EMT and seemed to be a generally upstanding human being. And she got killed 
by cops who had no business being in her damn house. <laughs> it's just... Uh, it's, it's depressing to keep seeing these cases come up and then to keep seeing them go to trial and then cops end up getting off on this stuff because they can. Because you can just do whatever the fuck you want if you're a cop, apparently. And you can you can suck at your job. You can completely screw up. You can get somebody killed and still somehow not end up in jail. Like, what other job can you do that at? I mean, I guess maybe being the president or being, like, a senator or a congressperson. But come on, man. Like, this is just... This is so ridiculous. And it's just... It sucks and it's sad. And... I kind of draw that same parallel to the Arbery case where, I mean, I can look at both of these cases and sadly not be like, yes, obviously somebody is going to go to jail for this. And that sucks. Like, it should be pretty cut and dried, but it's not. And just our criminal justice system has some serious problems. Not that I think anybody listening to this isn't already aware of that, but these two cases just really highlight where just just so many so many holes and so many cracks that people fall through and people who don't end up getting justice because of these stupid technicalities or because somebody knew somebody or somebody has the right job or was wearing the right set of clothing when they did the crime and so therefore it's not a crime just it's it's sad and it's absurd and hopefully maybe it'll change sometime in the nearest future but moving on to the next car on the bad news train, the Senate voted this week to reauthorize the Patriot Act. But if that's not bad enough, wait, there's more. There is also now a new amendment to the Patriot Act that says the FBI can see your internet history without a warrant. So yeah, basically the FBI can spy on your internet browsing history at will. Yeah, there's that. And the amendment preventing this failed by one vote. There were senators who did not bother to show up for the vote. Looking at you, Bernie Sanders. It's like, are you fucking kidding me with this? I mean, I mean, what else is Bernie Sanders doing right now? You're not running for president anymore. You could just go do your fucking job. I mean, what? Where else do you have to be right now, dude? Anyway, so there's that. Um, it does go back to the House. What the House is going to do with it, I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> because we've just been renewing the Patriot Act ever since 9-11. So why would we stop now, apparently? Let's just add some new shit in there, too. Because why the fuck not? But here's the thing that really, really irritates me about this. And that is all of this is happening at the same time when Republicans are being very performatively angry about what happened to Michael Flynn. So let me get this straight. You're very angry at the FBI for doing something that, while shitty and shady, is something that law enforcement has been doing for decades. And you you show this anger you you really stick it to the FBI by giving them expanded surveillance powers. Shut the fuck up. I do not want to hear it anymore. 
I I'm I'm done with the performative anger at the FBI, at the FISA courts, at CIA, at everybody. But then when it comes time for you to actually do something that could possibly rein any of this in, you you vote to just let them keep going and you give them more powers. Like, I'm done. I don't want to hear it from Republicans anymore. You don't give a shit. You do not care. You care when the cameras are on. You care when it's one of your own people. But you don't do anything about it if it's not your own people. Like, just get the fuck out of here with this bullshit. You don't care. They, you don't care. Stop pretending. Just stop playing like you're so upset at the FBI because of what they did to Michael Flynn. Clearly not upset enough to actually rein in any FBI power. I mean, clearly not upset enough to stick it to the FBI by telling them, hey, guess what? We're going to make it to where you can't do that anymore. So it's the same way that they got all mad at the FISA court over the Carter Page thing. And it's like, well, this is how the FISA court operates. What do you want to do about it? Apparently, it's let the FISA courts keep doing what they've been doing. So really, how mad are you? I'm just going to assume that you're not really. And lest you think I do not have something for Democrats here, too. Democrats. So what you're telling me is that Trump is the worst president to ever exist, that the Trump administration is the most corrupt, asshole, incompetent administration ever. So what do you do? You turn around and give them more power. What the fuck sense does that make? Again, how mad are you really about this? Because now they have expanded powers. You gave them expanded powers. The people that you think are corrupt. The people that you think are run by Russia. And so you want to give them more power. I just, I I can't. Like, it's just, it's all such performative bullshit. And every time people get all happy and think, oh, okay, things are going to change. They're angry. No, they're not. Those are not really angry. Not angry enough to do anything. You're angry enough to be all performative on television. You're angry enough to be performative on social media and the internet. But you're not angry enough to actually use the power that you have as a senator or a congressperson to strip power away from these institutions. So if you're not that angry to actually do something about it, I don't want to hear it from you anymore. That's it. Like, it just, oh my God, it makes... It's infuriating, especially for people like libertarians who have been fighting for years about this stuff, who have been trying to tell people, hey, look at this over here. This is bad. Somebody should do something about it. But then no, nobody ever does anything. They just get mad for 15 minutes and then just rubber stamp it all again and I guess wait for the next time when they need to be mad for 15 minutes. Like it's just, it's stupid. It's stupid, stupid, stupid. And maybe someday it'll change. I'm not holding my breath. But let's talk about something that is slightly more positive before I go to something negative again. Um, There are sections of New York that are reopened now as of, I believe, Monday. Uh, New York City is not one of those. Uh, Long Island is not one of those. But what you're starting to see in New York City is people coming back out. And, but what it's worth, 
New York City started self-quarantining like mid to late March. So they're on month two. And this all started in New York as a voluntary thing. Like this started before de Blasio put in anything, before Cuomo put in anything. People were self-quarantining for weeks before that. So now the weather is getting nice, which this has always been what was going to be the problem. Like it's easy to tell people to stay home in March when it's really like, it's nice enough, but it's still kind of chilly outside, not super awesome. April, still same thing. You got rain. It's like not super nice. But now, then, then you get to May when spring comes and the weather gets very nice and people want to be outside. And next weekend is Memorial Day weekend, the traditional start of summer when people want to be outside. Now, this isn't just a New York City problem. This is going to be a nationwide problem is that you're not going to be able to keep people inside when the weather is nice. People want to go outside. That's kind of the whole point. So how exactly you're going to control this, I don't know. But over this past weekend, you've started seeing a lot of pictures coming out of New York City of people who are just they're not doing the lockdown anymore. They're leaving the house. They're going to restaurants. They're getting their to-go food. They're getting their to-go booze. They're walking around the streets. I mean, and you're not going to be able to stop that. So what I'm curious to see is how exactly are mayors and governors going to handle this going forth? I mean, you're also seeing it in DC. You see it in LA. Um, obviously here in Atlanta, we don't really have any restrictions anymore. People have been kind of taking it upon themselves, but that is kind of starting to ease up a little bit. And I'm wondering what next weekend is going to look like. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you square that circle. So it's, it's one of those things where, especially in New York city, the lockdown was voluntary. The opening up is going to be voluntary. People are just going to decide, well, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore, so I'm not going to. (laughs) And so, again, it'll be real interesting to see next weekend, being Memorial Day weekend, what kind of pictures and what kind of sorts of situations we see starting to spring up around the country. Because like I said, it's the unofficial start of summer. Some people consider it the official start of summer people are going to want to go outside. And that's just the long and short of it. You're not going to be able to keep people inside all summer. It was easier easier to do when the weather sucked, but now the weather doesn't suck and people want to go outside. So that'll be interesting. Like I, I want to go to New York City. I want to go get a drink and go like walk around the Upper West Side. That sounds lovely. Like that sounds like fun. I totally don't blame people for wanting to do that, especially if you've been in self-quarantine for two months. Like you want to go out, you want to see people, you want to go walk around. You want to go breathe. Like, it's totally understandable. So I think the end of the lockdowns is going to come from that very sort of bottom-up sort of solution where people just start doing what they want to do and then governments are left to figure out what are they going to do about it. So fingers crossed, we shall see over the next couple of weeks what people's reactions are and how people's behaviors change government's behavior. So the last little thing I want to talk about is a sad little bit of news that dropped 
yesterday on the 16th, and that is that Justin Amash is no longer in the running for the Libertarian nomination for president. And I am very sad. So sad. I was so excited. I was so happy. Like, I had been waiting for this. And I was like, yes, finally. And he did explain on Twitter that well, in, in a tweet thread that I probably should have pulled up to read to you guys, but I mean, all of you know where to find Justin Amash on Twitter. You can go read it for yourself. Um, basically, after forming his exploratory committee and kind of judging the reactions over the past couple of weeks that he decided that now is not a good time, which I disagree with, but there's some verbiage in that tweet thread that kind of makes me think that a lot of this may also be due to how other libertarians took his entering into the race and their reactions, which... <sighs> Why? Uh, Why can't we have nice things? We get so close to having nice things and then we don't get to have nice things. And now we don't get to have nice things. Um, so yeah, I'm sad about it. Like I was really looking forward to seeing what an Amash candidacy would do. I, I was really looking forward to seeing that kind of play out on the national stage. Obviously he would get a lot of press. He already had gotten a lot of press and seeing somebody like him kind of bring libertarian ideas to the national stage and hopefully present them to people who don't know us or hadn't really thought about us or had different perceptions of us. And now I don't get to see that. And I'm sad. But next weekend, also being Memorial Day weekend, is also going to be the weekend that the LP does pick their presidential nominee. Um, I watched the debate last night and I mean... Yeah, there's, I mean, any of those people would be fine enough, but they're not going to be Justin Amash. I mean, let's just keep it real. They're not going to get the press. They're not going to get the attention. They're not going to get any of those things that Amash brought to the table. As wonderful as they may be as candidates, as humans, as spokespeople for the LP or for the libertarian movement in general. So anyway... I think I will be attempting to watch this nomination process. Um, it is online, and from what I understand, it will be streamed live on the LP Nationals YouTube channel, so keep an eye out for that. I do believe it's on Friday and Saturday, so I'll, I'll try to peek in on that, see kind of what's going on there, see how, see how long I can handle watching that before I completely lose my shit. So... Anyway, I mean, it's it is what it is, I suppose, but I am still sad. And lots of people are sad. But yeah. So we shall see what happens. But at this point I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because that is all the news I want to talk about from this last week. Um next week, obviously being Memorial Day week, um, my schedule's gonna be a little bit different, so Recording-wise, I'm not entirely sure when episodes are going to be coming out, but I will still try to record for you guys. So hopefully you guys will have a lovely Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you guys have some time off. Hopefully you do things outdoors, whether it's just you want to grill on your patio or have nine people over your house to keep it under the 10-person threshold, or if you are lucky enough to be someplace where you can go to the beach or to the pool, or just generally do 
outdoorsy hello celebration of summer things. So anyway, if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Take care and until next time.